From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 120, and today I'm joined by Daniel Grant, a fellow podcaster on the That Shelf Network. Check out his show, Spoiled Rotten, as well as Nicholas Corella, a producer, writer, actor. And we're going to sit down to watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Reservoir Dogs. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this film many fucking times. I'm Daniel. I have also seen it many times. And I'm Nick, and... I don't know how, but I've never seen it. Nick's the Virgin! Yeah. yeah! We're not shaming you, though, because we're so excited that we get to watch it. Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm unbelievably excited. Like, even today, I was having, like, a day, I was kind of busy, and I was like, you know what, but I get to watch Virgin Dogs. Yeah. And there was another person that's a virgin that, that uh, had to bail, but, um, but there would have been two of you, so you're not, like, you're not like a leprechaun or a unicorn. No. Actually, I... I really, we were just talking, I had no idea how you missed it. it. And, like, it's like, I feel like I've been able to reference the movie. Right. And I've never seen the movie. Do you know so what I mean? have you seen other Tarantino movies? I yeah, so I've seen Pulp Fiction. I've seen Jackie Brown. I've seen... Okay, what else is me? I mean, oh, Django. I've seen... Kill Bills. Kill Bill. Oh, I love... Well, I love Kill Bill Volume 1 a lot, but Volume 2. Oh, man. Actually, see, I can revisit Volume 2, actually, probably. See, and then, all of my favorites are like, no, thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, there's some good stuff in Volume 2. But you know what it is? I think it's because I watched Volume 1 like 10 times in the theater. Right. So that when Volume Two came out, I was just like, "Oh, this." Movie. Yeah, I get that. You know, okay. so that was that. But yeah, so I've seen them all. I just, I actually really have. So this seen is the them. only one you haven't seen. I even seen Natural Born Killer. Natural Born Killer. Yeah, did you see Death Proof as well? I didn't see Death Proof. Okay, I'm not. I, was, a grand I just felt like that would. I'm be not the a grand one, grand. But Death Proof. You can probably skim past. It's okay. It's that fine. That is actually my least favorite one. It's enter- <laughs> it's entertaining, but it's also yeah. it's like I think people consider it like half of a movie. Yeah, because for Just Till I've seen too. Okay, well, you have you seen True Romance? See, I've seen True Romance. He, he wrote it. Tony right. Scott directed it. Right. So that's it. No, just just this one. Yeah, there's a True Romance story. I don't know if you know the story about that's connected to Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yes. Um, we'll talk okay. about. It. But okay. we won't get into the spoiler. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess it's not really spoil stuff. It's not really a spoiler. It was just that at, at, at this point in his career, this doesn't spoil anything really. It's just about like the behind the scenes. Uh, Tarantino was just like desperate to make his first feature, right? Mm-hmm. And he was just uh, starting to become a bit of a script doctor. And he had just sold um, True Romance to Tony Scott for like thirty grand. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to use that thirty grand to make my first feature. And actually, Tony Scott wanted to wanted Reservoir Dogs the script, mm-hmm. and Tarantino was like, No, 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 it's, it's mine. Because he wrote it to be pretty self-contained. Right. Uh, and so he wouldn't sell that one. But then when... Uh, anyway, I won't, I won't go into the rest of how the, the snowball c- corrected, but it's it would have been a very different movie if Tony Scott directed it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 so, I'm going to take you for granted because they're different directors. But. So you said you referenced it over the years. So what do you know? Well, I mean, like, I feel like I know. Okay, these are things I know about it. 
I know that there are men with different colored names. That's okay. true. Okay. I know suits and ties and sunglasses. Yeah, so you've seen yeah. the, you've seen yeah, the posters. Yeah, posters. <laughs> you've seen the many posters. And I know that, like, every time someone does, like, a slow walk in a movie... It's supposed to be from this movie. Pro- usually. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. This is like, there's like a Jaws thing where it's like when you hear the Jaws thing, like this movie does have that one moment where you'll, you'll watch that and be like, oh my God, I've seen that in a million other things. Like Swingers stole it. Yeah. Uh, and um, what else? A lot of things stole it. Right. And then did parodies of it. And that's about it. And I think, and if I'm not wrong, I don't want to get to it. I'm like, I think it's a heist movie, sort of. Cool. That's great. Here, th- that's good stuff. Like, you know probably what anyone would know from, from watching, watching the trailer. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I'm, just, I'm stoked. I'm literally no, nothing else. That's great. Uh, so what do you tell, tell us, tell me about what you, I mean, I assume you like Tarantino. I do. I swear, I was like slightly conflicted. As time goes on, you know what I mean? Like, you start reading things in the news and he's like mean and all stuff and, you know, liberally him defending his use of the N-word and blah, blah, blah. You know, all that kind of stuff starts getting weird. But I do, I will yeah. say though, like when I do taste wine, <laughs> the first question you ask yourself is, do I like it? Regardless of any of the flaws. Sure. And the first, so yes, I like every movie I've seen of his. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's inter- I mean, I have my, I have some, and we'll get into it, like some opinions on like Tarantino. Because it's like, I went from, I think he was one of those guys when I first discovered him, I was like, oh my, I was 13 or 12, and I was yeah. like, my god, he's amazing! And then as I got older, I, my, my opinions kind of like shifted and changed, but we can get into that after. Sure. But I do like, uh, but you have to think about the fact, it's kind of like, you know, around that time, when did this movie come out? Like, 93, I think? I Somewhere around that. No, Pulp Fiction came out in 93. 94. I thought that was 94. Pulp Fiction's 94. This is, I want to say this was 91. 91, something like that. Or 92. Like, it was around that era. So it's like his dialogue, you know, just dialogue that he wrote was so fresh. You know what I mean? You know, that like, I'm sure, you know, when you say things get tired of him as maybe as a filmmaker, I think maybe it's like, it's kind of like Kevin, I don't want to, I don't want to compare him to Kevin... Smith, but they're friends. You, you can yeah, no, but, them, but it's like that idea <laughs> yeah. that like they're so revolutionary. Yeah. yeah, Kevin's daughter is yeah. in, in Tarantino's new movie. Oh, there you go. But, yeah. I just, but, but it's just like you know, you're so you're so kind of like new. Yeah. That's well, the, they they broke out around the same time. Yeah. Right. Like, um, oh, Smith. It. I just want to go on the record. I do like Quentin Tarantino. His, uh, as you said, the kind of personal stuff, and the more you hear him in interviews, you're kind of like. Ah, the movies are still good. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I haven't lost my love for the movies. It's more, uh, I'm kind of hoping he does end after 10 movies so that there's no more, like, press with him and he keeps exposing stuff that I'm like, ah, it's going to be hard to stand with you on that one. Yeah, I wonder if the Star Trek one will be his last movie. Yeah. Sure, he can finish on that. I don't, It'd be I interesting if he, start, if he ended on a franchise film. Yeah. Would, that'd be the- just an interesting... But also... If he is going off this, ticking off this list of types of films he wants to do, yeah. that might also make sense. Mm. You know, because that's one genre he hasn't really tackled no. yet. No. He's got to do a straight to Netflix romantic comedy before I know if he's a master. <laughs> Jackie, you could argue Jackie Brown's his romantic comedy. I mean, it's romantic so. in a way, but it's a, it's a, it's about as close as to. I mean, you could also argue Natural Born Killers is like his romantic movie. <laughs> Yeah. Or True Romance? Yeah. True Romance more. Oh, yeah. It's probably romance. Cl- True yeah. Romance is definitely closer to a rom-com than anything yeah. else. Cause they, like, because of how quickly they get together and it's like, they're just really like, you're so cool, you're so fucking cool. There's some fucking great yeah. stuff in True Romance. It's just crackles. The, uh, and you guys have seen it. 
Have you ever read the original script for a True Romance? No. No, but I watched a cut that I think was trying to approximate what yeah, the actual it, script it's was. It's very much, it, just like a typical Tarantino movie, it's structured differently. Like, Tony Scott re-completely, re, re I think he shot it with the intention of doing it that way. Mm-hmm. But then uh, it's, it's structured out of order. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just like most Tarantino things are, uh, but then he put it into a, the chronological order in the edit, and it's and it works just fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's just I saw the other cut first, so I was kind of like, I just want that cut, even though it doesn't. Like, I'd love to work. see it. I've never seen it that way. I, wow! If you get um, one of the like special edition DVD sets, he has the that cut is on one of them. Oh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it initially legally, but then when I came out legally, I was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get that. Someone did that. Okay. There we go. I will check that out for sure. Uh, so before, without any spoilers and like Daniel, what's your relationship with this movie? Um, as a Quentin Tarantino fan, I always watch it when I'm doing my like, Oh, let's watch all the movies. And I feel like the last time I did it was kind of like, other than death proof. I'm like, this is kind of like my least favorite one. Huh. And so I'm like, I'm really excited to like watch it again, kind of fresh, and be like, let's see how I feel when it's not like, like, uh, well, I guess it's the first one, but like, it's not stacked up against all the other ones right after. Yeah, like, I kind of just watch it on its own again. It's been a while. It was definitely one of my favorite movies when I was younger because the thing I, I discovered like Tarantino and Kevin Smith all around the same time, mm-hmm. and Woody Allen too. For some reason, like those three people are all connected to me in a weird, okay. in the weirdest way. But also, there's like the the Woody Allen Mira Sorvino connection, right? Uh, and Tarantino because she, he was dating her when she was doing Mighty Aphrodite, and right. so for some reason, they're all those three are connected to me in a way that they were the ones that it was like when I first started to get really get interested in being a filmmaker when I was like eleven or twelve. That I'm like, those are the people, and 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 just the way they approach stuff was different than mainstream, and so something about that was always cemented in me. Uh, so I watched uh, this is a movie that I probably rewatched like so many times. I think I wore out my VHS tape of it, <laughs> uh, but I, I haven't surprisingly I haven't upgraded to Blu-ray yet on it because I think I'm just waiting. I'm gonna pick up like a Blu-ray box set of Tarantino's when he's done his tenth movie. Right. Uh, it's funny you don't like Jackie Brown because I have like the like the twenty year anniversary Blu-ray set, and Jackie Brown doesn't work on that set for me, so I have to go like I guess I'm watching my DVD version of this. Oh, <laughs> just, it just doesn't work. It just no. Oh, just that's not, so funny. It will not play. <laughs> I will say for our benefit, this doesn't matter to the viewers at home, but it's like for in here, it'll look just fine because the Tarantino movies have a gritty quality anyway. Yeah. So blowing up a DVD in here doesn't. Uh, doesn't wreck the the viewing. I almost like it. It's, it's a weird thing where it's almost I like watching DVDs and stuff because I think the thing that I miss about movies in general is the distance I felt from them when I watched them. You know, it <laughs> felt like a different world. Yeah. And the, as the picture quality got better, I'm used I to it now. I see. It just I suddenly felt like oh, this looks too good. You know what I mean? Just to watch movies, it just feels too good. It's funny. It's too clean. Well, I will say it's interesting. I I saw um, Pulp Fiction at the Apollo Cinema in Kitchener. Two weeks ago, oh, wow. they were in running some Tarantino movies, uh, and I was in. We have a place out there that's kind of like our our, our weekend place, and uh, and so, and had never. I realized I'd never seen Pulp Fiction on the big screen, yeah, and they had the thirty five. Wow. So it was interesting watching it that, and I was like, and it was a pretty good quality print. It wasn't like I rewatched um, the DGC did a screening of Jurassic Park with mm. uh, Dean Country, the DP, a couple yeah. months ago, and they and Tiff had they they pulled out their print. That thing did not have like color matching inside the same sequences. Like, really, it was a shitty print. Whoa, yikes! yikes. But it was cool. Like, I brought my son to it. 
Yeah. Uh, but with him being able to watch it and see like the film print with like, and it was like jittery in spots and you could see the, like there was markings on it. Wow. Oh, wow. Cause it played a lot. So he's only seen it. He's only ever seen Jurassic Park on Blu-ray and pristine. Right. So for him to be able to see like, this is what a 35 millimeter print looks like of wow. a movie. And he's like, wow, it's so good that technology's improved. <laughs> no, he that? loved it because he's, yeah. no, he he's seen the movie so many times for, so for him seeing it that way. Was, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, like, and you're kind of like it's on the big screen. With yeah, the same way the first time when I, I showed him the despecialized version of A New Hope and he was like, he thought, he was the, that was so cool seeing the old screens and for oh, him just yeah. realizing all, how much of Star Wars had been like altered over the over time. Yeah. Just like all the old like, you know, when they're looking at their monitors and the, and the cockpits, they were all, they've all been replaced over the years, right? By new I never graphics. even thought of that actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I, I hadn't either until I watched that. I'm like, of course they, that would have been well, something different. Them. Yeah. Oh, that's what they were remastering other than just like seeing like Jabba the Hutt slither by. But, just, no, like, just, but, but that's what's kind of cool is all little things that you're just like, oh, of course they would they would have, that would have been dirtier back then. But anyway, this is cool. As, 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 as film nerds, we, we enjoy that kind of stuff. All right, so shall we dive in? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, well, we just finished. Yay. Yay. Well, well, well. So, Nicholas, you got to kick it off because you're the virgin. Yes, right. And I'll throw out my wine reference again. First thing (laughs) I want to say is I really enjoyed that movie. From, I really, there's so many things. I mean... We're going to start peeling away some things that like, didn't necessarily work for me, but to be honest, I had no idea where the story was going. I was super into it. I was tense. I laughed quite a bit. Uh, man, I really liked that. I can't believe I missed that movie. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of glad I saw it actually at this age in a weird way. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if I was uh, like, oh, I guess it came out when I was like 11, yeah. I would have been like, I would have been into different parts of it, I think. I think well, it's interesting because there's some stuff. There's things now that I watch and I'm like, mm, that don't just stuff that doesn't work for me at all. Right. That we'll talk about. But uh, so, to tell me this stuff. You tell me your highlights. Okay. First of all, highlights. Uh, I love well the acting. The acting. Just I thought the acting was just great. Even like some of the stiff acting. Like I like. I just love Harvey Harvey Keitel. Um, but it's like I just felt that like. Oh man, just the highlights for me were just some of the, just the way they were interacting with one another, even though like being like, yeah. like shitty or mean, like I literally laughed. I was surprised by so many lines. Uh, I didn't see, I guess I get, we're spoiling it. People are yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I was going to say, uh, oh, I, I, I was waiting for who's, so my, my, in my head I was like, okay, so no one's the rat. They're oh. all going to kill each other thinking there's a rat. Did not see, um... Orange, yeah, orange coming out with that. With like, there was such a good moment of him blasting away blonde. Such oh. a good moment, you know what I mean? I'll be honest, I forgot that happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Oh, I was like, I was, I was like yes, actual surprise, like actual surprises in this movie, which I thought was great. Yeah, because you as an audience member are you you're convinced White's passed out. He's probably yeah. might be dead. Yeah. You know, and it's like nobody's gonna stop this guy. Yeah. And, and, and that was the thing that was making me sick. And also, I, I realized, I don't know, as of getting older, I was like, I really can't stomach violence, like, especially gratuitous you violence. You were really reacting to the violence. It was like, making me really upset. Like, I was, I, was like, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, don't cut it. Oh, no. I guess it just was really upsetting to me. And then it was like, and then, and just to have it end was actually cathartic. I'm like, yeah, fucking kill this guy. Yeah, this movie is actually famous for people walking out of the theater. 
Because wow. you don't because even the violence. Yeah, because you don't see him take the ear off, but you spend a lot of time looking at where the ear oh, is. Oh, and they like, they shot it. Yeah, yeah, but and, like, then, and then we tested it. He's like, it was always more effective when we panned away because your oh. brain fills in the details. Mm-hmm. And the quote that's on the wall: "Watch your head." Yeah. yeah. Oh, so great! It's like so great because you know, literally watch yeah, your yeah, head. Yeah. And oh, it was nice that you pulled that. I didn't notice it the first time. Oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm staring at it. Watch your head. <laughs> Watching it. I've been reading it for the. Is it think- Tony? Watch your head. Yeah, and I think then I was like, "Is that a Tony Scott thing?" Because no. Tony Scott didn't want the movie. <laughs> I, I think there's been. I think a lot of people read into it. I think Tarantino has been on record saying that it was just already there. It was already there. Oh. Love it. And they just and you might as well shoot. But that. I'm sure they were aware of it. Well, they, that would be cool. Let's just pan to that, right? Yeah. Another yeah. thing, I don't know. Like I know the internet says this, and I don't know if that's people reading into it is. Because when we first started, I was like, "Wait, is it Harvey or Tim?" And then I'm like, "Oh yeah." The scene when they're at the table and he's like, who didn't put in? And Tim Roth right away is like, he didn't. And he like rats him out. Like none of the other thieves would ever do that. And oh, the fact that he's the cop. That is the one clue. And like, and also the orange balloon. But I, I don't know how anyone like, pinned blue, something on that. The, but the like, orange balloon is also a coincidence. Yes, you know that's what like? I was. I was like, I can't imagine that. But like that, the fact that he's the only, like, it's not even like anyone was like motioning to say who did it or like cover up. They just were ignoring it. And he just jumps in right away to be like, he did it. I oh, was, that's an interesting clue. Uh, were you saying because you forgot if it was white? In, in my head, I was like, I know because you start with them and you're pretty much with them the whole time. Like One of them is, and then I was like, oh yeah, for You'd sure. You'd forgotten who the I rat just, was? I just knew there was a rat, and I was like, it's not Harvey, is it? And then I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, and then like that's, that's, that's the that moment, moment I'm like, oh also, yeah. That moment also killed me this time because it's like... He spent three seconds looking at that water bills. He knows there isn't. He's, there's missing yeah. one out of what? Thir- like, well, that's seven. That's part of why I'm like. Yeah. I think I like other movies better because there's like a lot of good stuff, and then there's some stuff where you're like, well, it's only I six guess bucks, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he counted pretty fast. I, I bought that. Okay. I bought that. I bought well, no, that. It's, it's that they're all crumbled up. Is right. this, any, anyway, it's like because like fine. I mean because their money looks the same. So I I don't know if I would be able to be like there's for sure only people put in one dollar bills here. Well, you said everyone put a dollar in, but yes, you know it's you know, fine. I, yeah. I'm just watching the first view. No, it's fine. Because <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I hate that too. I hate when you as an audience be like that's not plausible. And then, as a filmmaker, you could just be like, "We didn't have to keep that in. Why do we keep that in?" You know what I mean? So that's what yeah. I'm saying with the counting yeah. the dollar bills. But that one didn't. Yeah, that, didn't, I mean, uh, it's not yeah. that big. I, is it my turn to say? Go ahead. One? Yeah. So, oh, we can jump around. Yeah. This is a, this is somewhat long winded. So this is tied to you brought up earlier his defending of the use of the N word. So my take on this, yeah, from a pretty young age, has always been. Other than Pulp Fiction, I don't think there's ever been a character on screen that I wouldn't believe uses that word. So, like, I've never been like, uh, this is the only movie that I ever bump up against it. Because, yes, they're all criminals. uh, um, And I think Tim Roth is the only one who doesn't say it. But I I don't think the movie ends with you feeling like, oh, Tim Roth is the good guy. I feel like you're still kind of mad at him for ruining yeah. Harvey Keitel and, yeah. like, making him lose his morals. So, like, it's not even, like, in the other movies where it's, like, either black people are saying it or the bad guys are saying it. It's, like, some of the people you're rooting for are using it as well, and it's so mean-spirited when they use it. Like, it's... It's because so it's, it's, it's so- they're not being, like, all oh, that and whatever. It's, like, 
this is what we're using to be like they're animals and they're not professional because that's also another through line in the movie is like you're not being professional sometimes they're just like you're not being professional and sometimes they follow up with you're acting like an n-word and i feel like from the first time i saw it and it was worse this time because i'm like wait it happens more than the one time i'm just like i can't i can't get over it because my thing for quentin is like for the most part, yes, he uses the N-word a lot, but again, I would argue that most of the characters who use it, other than his character in Pulp Fiction, I'm like, well, yeah, they would use that. Yeah. In Pulp Fiction, it's weird because he's got a black wife and Jules is his friend. He's got a black friend, and you're kind of like, why are you doing that? That's, it just feels like in general... Yeah, it's just... that's too, But he's never done that again. Yeah, he Where allows like, himself yeah, this cultural He did it, and then, like, I'm sure... Yeah, everyone, he's like, because he, he, he's like, I grew up in this neighborhood or whatever he is. Yeah, he said his mom only dated black guys. Who and cares? So I know. That's and so, happened. and my take is... No, he's not technically black, but the same would go for someone like Drake. The same would go for someone like J. Cole, who have white mothers who they only grew up with, and everyone lets them use the N-word. Yes, I know they have black in them, yeah, yeah. but they had the same upbringing, more or less, as Quentin Tarantino of, I had black men coming in and out of my life, but my parent is my white mom. Mm. Um and I get why Drake and J. Cole are allowed to use the N-word, but I also understand why someone like Quentin would keep using it. And I think his use of black people goes a little further than just the N-word, other than in this movie, because there's only the one black character and he doesn't really have much of an effect on the movie. It's more like it sucks that even some of the people you're supposed to root for use it in such yeah. a derogatory way, whereas in the other movies, it, you don't ever really feel it as or I don't ever really feel it as much. And yeah. this rewatch, it was like, yeah, it's, and, it's and back. I, and I remember like some interview early on in his career because he was always called out for it, right? Yes. Yeah. And, but he was always like, well, whenever a word is given that much power, you should shout it from the rooftops until people stop wearing it. Yeah, I don't like, like that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a great justification. How about it's also not word. your argument, buddy? Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Like, get out of here. And it's just, just watching it this time, thinking about it, it's just like, especially that one speech that Nice Guy Eddie gives where it's like basically the prison rape joke. Yeah. Where you had so much like... Yeah, that's the only scene I remembered was that all that was your like, ass that's coming at your even, mouth. But even that with all that because that was the thing that I actually thought about if I may just jump on this point and then uh, pull a little bit more out was that like I would say that's the the whole thing about the movie that didn't work for me where any time where conversations felt gratuitous Right, like, and, and it's like, and then every gratuitous conversation seemed to be something that was like peppered with the N word. Uh, you know, like I, as an actor, I've never had to say that on screen. Um, I have like rules, but you know, I, I've turned down. I actually had a pretty great part that I didn't get to play because I had to use the uh, the F word for right. homosexual. You yeah. know, and I was like, which gets used in this. I'm too. like, I'm like, no. Oh, and you yeah, know, and semi comments. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and when you start you start hearing that stuff, right, and you, you're just like. The thing is that, like, those scenes didn't play out to me. Like, they were creating context for any characters. Exactly. It felt as though it was like, look how witty I am about these, like, topics. And that's, and that's, and that's, because where I love the cutaways, like, actually, funny enough, I thought it was going to be a conceit I wouldn't like, but I love the, like, training him to tell that story. Yeah. Like, you know what I I love? Like, the thing is, like, any sort of thing that happened outside of the warehouse that had specifically to do with the caper. Yeah. Felt really, really good. Anytime it was just like a witty convo, felt so put on. But it's probably the stuff that drew people to the movie originally was like just like witty banter, like when you talk about Royale with cheese and in in, uh, in Pulp Fiction yeah. or whatever. Those kind of ideas. But the thing is that like that's the one thing that doesn't hold up in this movie is those sort of things. Like even that whole th- like I love the idea that like Vega is like 
their old friend or whatever, but then telling the whole story about getting raped in jail and blah, blah. It's like now we're watching Quentin masturbate for a little bit. Yeah, and that's... And I mean, if you cut out those, you're, you're losing half this movie. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought to myself. I'm like, give me more I would say this, is that it's like... Two, two points just to that, because I can go on and on with this as well, but I think it's like nowadays you would never have... An actor would just never say a lot of the things that are in this movie. They'd be like, because what you're saying, first of all, it's not justified, it's not based on anything that's mm-hmm. revealing character in a way that we need to know, or, you know, it's just not, it's just stuff that you wouldn't... And even Tarantino wouldn't write it now. Right. No. He would know better, you know? And I would argue that, having just rewatched Pulp Fiction 2 recently, that... that at least that scene in um, the uh, Royale with Cheese scene, yeah. you, we're learning stuff. We're, yeah, le- we're learning that yeah. Vincent's been away, and it's going to come back to play in this in the scene when they talk about the hamburgers in a second. So it's like right. it's 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 character building, it's relationship building. It's also setting I, up Uma Thurman, right? Because he's talking like they end up talking about like talking, oh yeah, she got yeah. a foot massage and that's a big deal. And what's great is that that well, he's starting to learn he's going to be a better writer. Yes. I mean because that seems like a tangential story, but then it comes back into play. Yeah, because which is why we probably all still love it. Yeah, yeah. But there's stuff in here like that whole conversation about you know black women versus white women and the girl go- yeah gluing the dick. It's like. Nothing to do with anything. Doesn't help us learn anything. But it's just like, oh, look, it's like literally like a young writer being like, this is how guys bond when they're committing mm-hmm. a crime. As opposed to like you have an opportunity to write something about this bonding thing that could pay off later. No, half this movie's dialogue is look how clever I am. Right. Yeah. And look how well I write fun dialogue. Which is interesting that I still was interested in knowing who the rat was, how it was going to play out. So all that stuff I still thought was really successful. So like as I said about, I'm going to keep using this one. I'm going to love, I love this wine thing. (laughs) It's like the first question you ask before you understand about what it pairs with or whatever is like, do I like it? And I left that being like, because I liked it from the first moment of the movie with, I'm like, yes, that you can totally shoot a conversation like that at a table. Everyone's so worried about all the setups and all the angles you need to get at a conversation at a, at a table when it's like, actually, we just want the conversation to happen in real time. We don't care if we see the back of someone's back for a while. We don't care if we see that. We just want to see yeah. the conversation happen in real time. You well, know? I like that convo. Pardon? I thought it was, again, I took it about songs? Madonna, about Madonna, Madonna whatever. So she like, wrote him being like, you're wrong. She wrote him, she's having an autograph album. Yeah, she's like, no, she's it's like, about love. Yeah, it's yeah of course. Well, well yeah. it's also like, listening to it now, I'm just like, it's a stupid argument. Yeah. yeah. Like, half the monologues, and it's probably because I've heard them a dozen times, it's like, they're not great arguments or that clever, now that I'm not 12 or 13. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, you didn't cut me off. I'm just saying that this is one of the things that I was really enjoying with the movie in general was just that, like, all right, let's do these three shots. Let's do this, whatever. And, I, I like, sometimes a little bit from being on the other side, you can see, like, okay, I understand why you left this take for so long or blah, blah, blah. But it's, like, it's like it was just really hitting home in that it's, like, the story and the information is the thing we're most interested in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? And it's, like, mm-hmm. I was really excited and actually, I, I wish I could remember any of the lines I laughed at, but I, like, I laughed a lot of times just at, like, reactions. Like, I just love, like, cocky machismo stuff that, like, is, but was also kind of, like, like authentic without it being, like, too cool. It was just kind of, like, cool but also awkward, you know? Like, I, I found yeah, it was really I, funny. I like the Michael Madsen stuff. He might also not have said the N-word, but I'm pretty sure he still had disparaging remarks for black people Bark and Hall, people yeah, in general. Yeah. Mark Hall, Day Little Doggy. Yeah, there was something about this time watching where I'm like, I, I like what he's doing. I've never not liked it, but it, I, for some reason it stood out this time and me like, eh, I kind of like what he's doing. Madsen almost 
walked away from the movie halfway through because he's like, I don't like what the... Because he's a very, very non-violent person in real life, apparently. Okay. Wow. And was, I would not have guessed that. And didn't like what he had to do or say. And, and was really mad because the actor... I can't remember his name. Who played the cop. Uh, ad-libbed the kid thing. Oh, because that he, would throw you off. Yeah. Well, and Michael Madsen had just had a kid. Yep. Wow. Wow. And he almost walked off set, apparently, when, when they actually did that. Oh, that's indulgent. Come on, Madsen. You're like, wait a second. I can slice this guy's face and cut Madsen his ear also, off and set, his, <laughs> set him on fire there's a, until he has a kid. There's a story where the, that the, uh, the actor who played the cop also wanted Michael Madsen to drive him around in his trunk. Just because he's like, I want to know what that feels like before we do it. Just to, <laughs> just oh, saying. my God. Anyway, so, so he did it. Not only did he do it. But Madsen also realized that this is the first time he's, like, getting into character and thing what he feels like. So he actually went to, like, a Taco Bell and got <laughs> drive through And that's where they got the idea for, like, nice. the drink. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I love that drink. I like, this is, The thing is, like, it's weird because I usually, I don't know, I have a thing when people are, like, too casual as actors, you know? Uh, but I love, I love Michael, I just, I just love everybody in this movie. But that just says, yeah. but that, that to me is a character thing. I'm like, that says a lot about him, that he's, like, having just left this situation, a cop in his trunk, he's confident enough to just go and get some fucking food. He's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. It's also yeah. he's a sociopath. Yeah, yeah it's the, all they right. made that clear. It's yeah. all right brain. It's like, ah, I'm hungry. I'm not worried about he's it. Al- he's also John Travolta's brother. In, yeah, he's got to be, right? Yeah. They're the Vega brothers, yeah. They are they are brothers. I mean, there's no, at one point there was always these rumors about they were going to do a Vegas Brothers movie. I guess it would be a prequel because they're both You can't do it now. They're all way too dirty. And who would play them? They were very old and they're both dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why it would have to be a prequel. Yeah. But that, the, the rumor was back in the '90s that he was going to do it, but then it, you know it's obviously never he got around to the, it. The other thing I know this is kind of off topic, but he really has Silver Surfer prominently featured. I'm pretty sure that's, that's Marvel what, stuff. That's what he wrote into uh, Gene Hackman versus Denzel Washington. Which one? Is, what? What? Uh, oh, uh, submarine movie is that one? I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because Terrence, you know, you fight. No, no, not Hunt for no. Uh, Not Horizon, Crimson, Crimson, Crimson Tide. Tide. Crimson Tide. Okay, yeah, Tarantino yeah. did like a really big rewrite on that because he he has uh, a, thing. a dialogue polish. Yeah, he's a dialogue polish because he did that whole thing about like they were fighting and and Denzel Washington has to break it up and he's like, well, what are you fighting about? And he's like, he likes this Silver Surfer, I like this Silver Surfer, and <laughs> Denzel has kind of a moment with the guy. And I was like, dude, what's with him and Silver Surfer? Because it's a, like a big poster for a long time of Silver Surfer. I think he's a big nerd. He just wrote yeah. that. Because he only ever talks about Luke Cage when he's like when he's asked about what he wants to do with Marvel. I'm like, but you clearly got something for Silver Surfer. Should, I don't know should. anything about the Silver Surfer. It just seems like a lame hero. I'm not into it. I don't. I don't. I'm not like I love comics, but I do not care about the Silver Surfer. Yeah, I don't know that much either. I thought Silver Surfer was Iceman, and nah. then they found out they're two different characters. Two so different. Is not. So that's so. Even well, even though, like, let's talk about it for a second because because I have like a weird personal connection to that monologue sequence. But even even that is like watching it this time. I'm like. You could cut most of that. It just Which feels... One? Well, just when he's telling that story about how he broke in and got his... And got into yeah. the, the gang. Uh, Tim Roth is telling yeah. the backstory. Like, he, when he's telling the story that he had to rehearse or just... Yeah, you know, or just, I mean, the... the just I the mean, scene. I like love the, the concept of the process of it. It was like, he's starting to learn it, and he's practicing, and he's doing it in front of his buddy. Yeah. Does it in and front of them. The, and then we cut inside of his head. Uh, as he's there, I'm like, I love like artistically. I watch, it, I love it, but I go, I don't need this story wise. I'm like, I guess you don't need, but I like the 
as you said, artistically, that I was still like, oh no, he's gonna. I'm like, wait, this isn't actually happening. Like, this he's just, is, but I was still like invested in like, I hope he gets out of there. Like, how yeah. is he gonna do it? <laughs> this is how much I loved it when I was younger. I did that monologue for like a theater school audition. Nice. <laughs> First of all, and second of all, uh, I think the character's name is. Sorry, I laughed at you so whole. That's okay. That. You should laugh at me. I watched it this time, going, "That's not even that great of a monologue." But of course, I picked it because I was such a Tarantino fan when I was twelve. <laughs> Uh, but I, I was 16 at the time. Uh, and the other thing is I actually took a quote from that sequence and used it as one of my high school yearbooks quotes. Huh. Oh, wow. And the right. quote is, this is about you and how you perceive the, the events that went down. Yeah, that's great. I, I would like reading that in a year. I'd be like, oh, shit. Okay. That's right. All right. Because <laughs> that's true. It is. Right? It's like the yearbook from. I, like, I thought it was very clever using that. I thought they were actually really good acting notes. Not to be a joke. Like, I was like, no, I like that. I like that. Oh, that's great. Actually, that's. Uh, that's something I need to remember. That's something I need to remember. Like, Make you know, it your own. Make it your own. But like, oh, when he was like, it's yeah, like yeah. telling a joke. Do you know how to tell a joke? You just need oh. to know what part. And then like everything else is your own. I was like, I, I like all really I good like tips. That. All really good tips for like beginner actors. Yeah. You know? Samuel Jackson auditioned for that part. I figured. I was uh, like, the way Bing, this is written, this is definitely Samuel Jackson. Bing part. Rames was up for that part. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think there's some other Who's names. Who's that actor? Did he anything? I'm going to look it up. That's the hilarious part is all these other big actors were considered for it. That, people that, that broke out and came in. That guy, I'm sure he did other stuff and still yeah. continues I'll, to work, I'll but he didn't up. break out. Amazing. From this movie. Yeah, those are great stories. Actually, it just that's, those are good things to remember, too, when you're like, you know, some, like it's not even about having a, be- like, that's a good reminder. I have to remind my parents constantly that, like, you know, when I'm auditioning for something, I'm auditioning against five great guys. Right, so it's like it's not like it's not like when you're auditioning for something. It's like sometimes there's a clear winner or whatever, but it's like most of the time it's like any five of these people could play this part. Yeah, no, you know what I mean, like you know, so it's like just that happens all the time. You, you, and then it's down to it's like, well, who do we think they'll pair best with? It's like it's just, and then sometimes yeah, maybe fuck and like oh, I've seen them do something before, so I know they won't fuck up on the day. It's yeah. also a big, or I've seen right? them do something like this before, so maybe we should give it to somebody nice. who right doesn't isn't the same tropey yeah, anyway. His, his name is Randy Brooks. He's worked, it seems, steadily up until 2012. Uh-oh, don't tell me he died. Mm, well, that's a, uh, you know what? I should just, I should look that up. No, he's still alive. Okay. Just or retired. at least IMDb has not, like, updated. Oh, you think he retired? You, I you, think the other big thing he was in was Colors, which uh, I feel like Col- Ice-T did this, the soundtrack wait, for. Wait, wait, Colors, is that the one with uh, James Spader? Uh, maybe, but it's Sean Penn. Oh, so he's worked with both Penn brothers. Robert Duvall, Don Cheadle. Wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. Damon Wayans. That's nice. I'm, I'm done going through the cast. Yeah. I, watch that I just know uh, that's uh, like a classic. Ten brothers. Isn't it a shame Chris Penn is dead? Yes. My God, he's good. He's great in this movie. Yeah. I like him, and I accept that honestly, his voice and Jonah Hill's voice are the yeah, same. Yeah, I, I was thinking that they're the same voice. It's somewhere near the end where I was like, oh, it is Jonah yeah. Hill. If you were to remake this, you would cast Jonah Hill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just all you would do, like, you could just use, like, yeah, Chris Penn's like. Dialogue, like they sound the same. I couldn't believe how much they sounded the same. Yeah, Tim Roth drove me a little nuts because of his accent. Yeah, no, it wasn't the accent. It's just, and it's always something that bothered me a little bit. But this time around, I'm like, ugh, it feels so acting. It's just when he's like in the opening scene, he's not the opening scene, but like the scene in the car, and it's just like I don't know what's going on with his voice. 
Oh, because he's like, it's like Bobcat Goldthwait. I thought that too because we we when we because we, we watched Scrooge we were together. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's a very Bobcat. But it's like he's doing yeah. it, but it's also like the amount of energy he's exuding in that back seat. I'm like, dude, you should just calm down. You're not moving around that much. You're not flailing your legs when you're in that much pain from that. It just feels like he just feels authentic, inauthentic. Yeah, and Actually, I felt I was, like big acting as opposed to real acting. I had to have that's that right. same thought, and then I had this. Okay, so not. Not to keep referencing my own career, I've died like more than thirty times. And the thing is that like it is a weird or like I can't imagine. I had to play scared all the time too. You know what's weird? I don't really like know how I act scared in real life. I'm like a stone when I'm afraid. You know, so it's like it's weird when you're like running from aliens or you're doing anything like that. It's like it's actually like I can't actually empathize with that feeling at all. And so the thing is, I was thinking that too because I thought the same thing. Like, oh, this is kind of big or this whatever. But I'm like, I don't know, man. If I knew that I was like gonna die in five minutes, maybe I'd be freaking out. Like, I don't know. I don't know how much I'd be. Freaking but it's interesting with that character too because he, because he's got information they don't. Like, he knows that the cops are gonna wait around. Until Joe yeah, they're never up. gonna come in and like help him. I guess. Yeah, until... he knows that he ha- He just has to hope Joe shows up. He's got a ticking clock. Yeah, which is interesting. I will also say that I, I really, I think you know, I really cared about Harvey Keitel from the beginning because yeah. of how sweet he was. I think the movie doesn't him. work if you don't. I know, but, but he's, yeah, yeah. he just loved him. Like how? Because how genuine is like, you're not gonna die. Say it to me, holding his hand. Okay, or even is, when he gets at the end when he like needs to like yeah. cradle him when he says he, when he says I'm holding not not to give not a personal story but like uh, my cousin Michael died of cancer in his early 40s and I'll never forget he asked me to hold him like one time and I thought, oh, wow. and I felt fucking weird about it to be honest just because yeah. we didn't even have that close of a relationship right but. Of course, and like that moment, like that was I was giving Quentin Tarantino kudos in that moment because I was like, for real, like you're two grown men, whatever. It's like, what do you want in that moment? Just to be enveloped, just to be held, and the fact that like he didn't use an opportunity to make like some like, um, you know, disparaging homo comment or whatever. There, the fact that he actually like had these men connect. And hold each other and try to comfort. I actually was like, I'm really on board. That's one of the reasons it I was really on board with this movie. Yeah, it combs his hair. And oh yeah, I was and, like, like they're I, laughing together. I like, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, I, I mean, because you know, it's weird. You don't actually see as far as, far as much as we were talking about it, like this really like surface kind of like shitty dialogue he's included in other places. You don't actually get to see that kind of like vulnerability a lot on screen between, between grown men, you know what I mean? Like, you know, especially, especially yeah, especially in this situation. Yeah, this yeah. era. Yeah, it's like, it was just so, you know, it's like, I think about that so many, so many times too, like, when people can put aside even the situation where you're like, when someone's dying, yeah, it's like, this is the, you know, you die alone, you do all kinds of stuff, but it's like this, I don't know, I just, I was, I, 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 I love, I was really on board at that point, like, I cared so much about this guy surviving, and I thought they did, that was a really good job too. Yeah. Well, then he has that great speech where he's like, about the name. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Just, just tell him I don't trust him enough? Yeah. Maybe I, thought I, that was maybe a I should have, but I couldn't. Fuck yeah. you. Fuck Joe. Fuck everyone. I thought they did a good job of like having him, because I think for a lot of it, Steve Buscemi is supposed to be like the voice of reason. Like if he yeah. says something, you're supposed to be like, well, I guess that's true. And like I thought they did a good job of having Harvey Keitel being like, get off my back. Like this is why this happened. Like And... Having me be like, well, this guy who's clearly always suspicious wouldn't question that any further after that speech. Like, I thought they did a good job of cutting that off of me being like, well, he would try and figure this out. 
I uh, I thought yeah. that was really well done. Yeah. But you you mentioned a comment earlier about how it's like they're they keep on talking about how they're be professional, be yeah. professional. But it's like clearly they're shitty at what they do, right? I uh, my assumption is they wouldn't have been had uh, they not. Well, I guess they're shitty at picking teams because my assumption is they would have done just fine had they not had a cop on their team that was like going to close in on them. Yeah, there's a couple of things I watch this time and I'm like, it just feels like, and I never thought about this when I was younger, but there's a couple of things I look at and it's like, they would never go for fucking breakfast all in the same suits the morning of. Yeah. Because it's like anyone walk, that was in that diner, like, yeah, those, you know. There was five guys talking in the same suit. Yeah, yeah With right. the guy that with, planned the whole thing, so like, even he would get pegged. Like, yeah, it's just he shouldn't su- have been down there with them. It's just such a... St- move that it's like this doesn't make any sense and there's also there's beer at the table so they're all just sitting around drinking before the robbery oh, I didn't notice that there's a couple of beers at the table it's just like that yeah that's I, weird that flag man is just like that's such an unprofessional move to make so maybe it, maybe the idea is they are that not me. good then also well, how like, many robberies have you done I'm just saying, <laughs> in the zero robberies I've done, I wouldn't you do wouldn't do any that. of those things. Especially w- since movies have taught me not to do those things. Well, they're, they're yeah. going so carefully to go, it's like, you can't tell each other your names, and I'm giving you fake names, but we're going to go have breakfast in public together with you guys in matching uniforms. Yeah. I'm going to show my face with you guys. It's like, what? It's just like, really? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, they're going into, a, like, a mom-and-pop place, which probably has a security camera. You know? It's gonna, anyway, there's that bothered me. Uh, that's a good one. To be. And the other okay. thing... For, on first view, I forgave that. Okay. Well, that's just it. I, yeah. I forgave that on yeah. my first 30 views. Right. You know? Uh, because I was wrapped up in how cool everything was. Yeah. Uh, and how cool... And also, probably when I was younger, I just thought it's like... They're so badass, they don't even care. I didn't th- all I cared about was like, oh, I guess as much as now it's kind of cringeworthy to listen to them talk about like a virgin the way they do, yeah. I was kind of just like, I like that it's like a conversation that I would want to weigh in on in a certain way. Like, well, I, it humanized I thought he, like, I thought it was good that I wanted to jump, jump like, kind of why I like podcasting in general, like, when you can, like, listen to a conversation, be like, oh, I wish I was there to say this or something yeah, like yeah. that. So that, that part, like, so I wasn't even thinking about any of the stuff you just brought up and now kind of brought it down Here's again. Here's the thing. The purpose of the scene is to humanize them yes. and make them seem like regular people. My, my thing is just that it's like, I assume Joe is very wealthy Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that's organized yeah. this. They seem to have all these other businesses and can wheel and deal. It's like, you tell me that you couldn't have imagined that this guy's got a big house with maybe someone that can cook for them. Yeah. They're all meeting. I'm, I'm not against them all sitting around sharing a meal. I'm saying doing it at a fucking greasy spoon. Or like Actually, in our rewrite, this would, <laughs> it would be great if, like, especially if they all were wearing the same tuxes or the same whatever, that it was almost like it felt like a bachelor party or like a, like a, everyone's getting ready for the groom. You know what I mean? I mean? At someone's house, everyone's kind of yeah. like getting ready, they're having a drink. Are you ready? Are you ready? Whatever. Then they go off to do like the problem. Yeah, that I would like. I think I also <laughs> misdirect. You know, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. like that misdirect. But I think I was kind of waiting for something like that this time. Watching, being like, they're doing a lot of like running around in the same suit that people will definitely like will stand out. Like I kept waiting for like, is there like some reasoning behind these suits that like no one would ever like? I think. It's, I think. It's, it, or does it? Is it just because it looked cool? Well, I think part. Of, I think the idea of the, of the uniform makes sense in that it's just like 
well, they're all wearing the same thing. Right. And it's all pretty generic. It's like a waiter outfit. It's like, they're all pretty generic. It's clothes you can get anywhere. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and you don't that, shoot that, each other. If you know, like, just don't shoot the guys in the white shirts and the black ties. Yeah, exactly. That's true, yeah. Don't shoot the guys, the, the men in black. Yeah. That's all I was thinking about. I was like, they look like the men in black. And the other thing that I can't believe never bothered me before was... Can none of them, like, do anything just to wrap something around fucking White's wounds so it doesn't bleed out? Oh, like, nobody wound. even... Orange is wounded, yeah. yeah. Nobody even tries to help, like, There's a slow. lot of blood that comes out. Nobody tries to even try to slow... Because he's like, there's yeah, nothing I can do for you. he takes something out, and I thought he was going to apply pressure, and he just, like, wiped his forehead. Grab, I thought that, too. Yeah. <laughs> they like, take oh, your okay. jacket off, wrap it around, just to apply pressure. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how bad are you at what you do that you don't know at least Maybe just, they're so good they've never been shot. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, also, I, I also took that... Uh, so As a human I, adult, you would know... So I noticed that, too, and but I assumed that that was a giveaway that he was un, unsavable. Do you know what I mean? That it was like... You'd still do it for the, for, for the mean, sake of it. For, as him, as a cop, he would know. It's like, staunch my bleed. Just fucking do... He would have first aid training as a police yeah, officer. Yeah, he would have said it, yeah. But I thought for for Harvey Keitel's character, they went into looking at it, being like, "Oh, you're I'm just gonna comfort you." Because no, I believe that Keitel yeah. believes that he's gonna live. No, because oh. he said he's not gonna make it through the night. Remember, he made a whole point of being no. Like, he said you would die three. You no, die three. He days tells out. him that. But he says he, he won't, without medical attention, he won't make it through the night. Right. He but, wants him to live. Oh no, I believe he wants him to live. But I feel like he's already been like, "Well, this guy's gonna die. I'm gonna make him feel better, uh. but he's gonna die." I don't know. I think he believes that Joe's going to come and call a doctor and they're going to take care of him. It's possible. I mean, I know he I'm would like the, for that to happen. There's a lot of evidence that says that, too. Yeah. But, but part of me is also like, just look at the rabbits, Lenny, you know? Anyway. You know? So <laughs> it's just, it, it just, but then also I go, it's like, yeah, these people are just, they're just not good at what they do. Yeah. I think you've convinced me they're not good. At first, I thought they were professionals. Maybe just Steve Buscemi's a professional. No, if Blonde doesn't start blowing people away, they get away with it, right? But, but that's what I'm saying. They're bad at picking teams, which probably means but, they're not professional because they've got a cop the on the team. Dogs, and Blonde. Well, that's it. He's like, he let, yeah, he lets a cop on the team. He Blonde, who is one of his top guys, is a fucking raving lunatic, and he's not aware of it. And it's like his first job out of coming from jail. Yeah, and he's a sociopath, and he's not aware of it. Come on. This guy didn't pull anything else on any other job or that, 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 that flagged his weird behavior. This is like the first time he's shown let his freak flag fly. Like, that just feels inconsistent with the relationship they've set up that we're supposed to believe these people know okay. so much about. Okay, uh, let's just go with some, like, alternative theories <laughs> that Chris Penn and him are together. They're together. Oh! Right, and so, and so, so it's like, like, it's like the, the girlfriend. That's why he's crying. He's like, you, you, you killed my like, you know. He's like, guys, eyes. Like, I don't know. I'm just kidding. This so is like it's my, like the significant other that has to be attached to the project because. Yeah. I love this theory. Yeah, look at this theory. I like that one. <laughs> we should ask Quentin Tarantino. It's just like, yeah, that's why you're Mr. Blonde because that's not actually a color people use. Like, that's right. just, like it's a hair color. Like you're, yeah, you're Mr. Blonde. You're you're in because my son says you have to be. And so maybe they're not like actually lovers, but again, the idea is that they're such friends, he vouched and all that stuff. But but I, but, the, but, the, but the lover theory, I'm willing to go and write some fanfic. Oh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I wonder if it's already out there. I wonder if anyone's had this theory because I don't remember how like I guess for lack of a better term, rambunctious they are with each other. In that meet, like in his, he's even saying you trying to fuck me on the floor. Yeah, and like they're like, like I remember. Chris, Penn, yeah. Chris Penn's in love with him. Because I, I was 
just thrown off about the your acting, like or whatever. So I this time when I was watching, trying to like clear my mind of all that, I was like, I don't remember this going on for so long. So now I'm really on board with your. Uh, all right, look at this. <laughs> we, we have a whole like alternate like reservoir. I'm a big dirty fan. Dogs. I'm a big fan of that theory. <laughs> um, I love to talk about. We started uh, off camera talking about the music. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you were like, I'd love to get his music supervisor. We had to yeah. remind you that it's like none of these songs were popular or or really iconic. I always, I've always loved Quentin Tarantino soundtracks. Like oh, I, I, Those are like always the ones where, that I get. Yeah, and that's part of it. didn't own the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. It's part right. of his writing process, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think I, I was just, when we were saying about the music supervisor, because I guess you were saying if the songs weren't popular, you said that, like, you know, I was... Well, they were not okay. not they were not not popular, but it wasn't like these are the songs that are costing like a hundred thousand dollars for a needle drop on a soundtrack, right. right? Like these are kind of like songs that you hear on these radio stations that are just part of a they, you know there are songs that had their their fifteen minutes, yeah. but right. they're not you know they're not iconic where they are now. It would just be just I never see music supervisor as the third credit in a movie. But it's also I think like music wasn't as expensive then as it was now to put in. Think so. I don't think so. I feel like there's so many things put in place now that it's got to be more expensive. Right now, it's so like, expensive now. Because so yeah, many you know, different people have usually, to have a piece of the pie back then, I'm sure. It, it was just the label they had to deal with, and now there's like people with publishing versus the label versus the, like, man, like I, so I, many people have to collect, I would imagine. Yeah. I think the first time that like a, a, music, a movie soundtrack was really a big thing and they realized, oh shit, we can make some money off this, was The Big Chill. Mm. Right, that makes I sense. I that too. Because I think that was... But then even that, it wasn't like that created this whole new phenomenon of movies doing that for a while. But this was definitely like, you know, Tarantino's were big soundtrack. These songs became super iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the early 90s, I mean, this is a $1.2 million movie. You know, right now, if you were to put those songs oh, yeah. into this movie, that alone would be more than the $1.2 million yeah. budget. For sure. Oh, man. Now I realize we uh, we balked at, at the price, but now I realize it's really good for a Bob Dylan song uh, like last year. But like, but still, it was like still. It was what was like, the price? Uh, we could have we could have had it for for ten thousand aside. That's so cheap. Yeah. <laughs> for a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. What was the song? Uh, it's it, actually because it's Bob Dylan, but Nico covers it. Uh, it's how's the song? I know what to sing it, but uh, it's uh, it's called. Uh, Keep it with mine. Keep it with mine. That's a a steal. I know we just didn't have it. Still, no, I understand that. But it's just just compared to like just knowing like what I've gone through with some course. things on a recent film that were artists that are really great artists but are not Bob Dylan. Like that's a yeah. that's a really well. He's I notoriously mean, he's notoriously cheap. Apparently, like actually, I know for my friend Shorty gave the song. Well, here's the thing. I it, it, it's also the kind of thing where it's like music can cost a penny and music can cost like. A million dollars if you have a relationship with the artist and they're willing to make some calls for you and some deals for you, right? It's like, I know even on my first film, um, I had uh, this song that the, I was working with Arts and Crafts, so they were like helping facilitate yeah. stuff. And they got us a song for like 500 bucks that the day before the same artist had turned down $100,000 for the same song wow. to, a car, to a car commercial. Wow. And they were like, "No, we're cool giving this the indie film for no money, but it's like we don't want it to be in a car commercial." That's crazy. All right. Actually, it's funny how that kind of stuff works. Actually, we were approached by a band ten years after we released the movie. 
that we got we got a song in that range of five hundred thousand dollars, and it was later used in a Budweiser commercial, and that the the band's management contacted us, being like, "Oh, you've used this song without the permission, blah blah." blah. And I'm like, I sent them the contracts, like, "Oh shit, <laughs> oh I guess we, yeah, you guys got a good deal." <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those like, you know, so it was yeah. kind of funny, but yeah, it's crazy how that works. But you know, people people do need to get paid for the stuff they do, especially, and I mean. In, in Quentin Tarantino's case, well, I guess in some ways the artist did benefit because they sold probably tons of more record, like more like oh yeah, for sure it benefits. But I'm like, it's, it's, he actually paid off on the artist thing. Like, hey, I'll give you exposure. Hey, I got you know. But oh, uh, sure, the way that we always, I mean, most of us don't. Yeah, it's a funny thing. My 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 <laughs> when I when I get upset about it, I, I always get shitty because I'm like, it cost you nothing. To let someone put your song that's already been made into a movie, uh, because it's not you don't have to pay any. There's no cost to you to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you can argue that it's like, well, you know, someone's artistic property has value, and you should pay something. But it's just that the astronomical fees they do charge. It's like, how but copyright's only supposed to. I was actually listening to a long thing about copyright, where it's like the whole point was that you were supposed to be able to. You were supposed to be able to make money on something for a reasonable amount of time, and then it was supposed to go into public domain, but not 50 years after your death. It was supposed to be like 10 years after well, publication. Well, the Mickey know? Mouse, the Disney is the ones that yeah. changed all yeah. that, right? But, uh... Oh. And, look, and look, well, look how that company crashed and burned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're really suffering. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, too, uh, yeah, so, um... Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think like I just again just in general. This, I mean, this is this a movie. Disney movie now. It is technically a Disney movie. Wait, yeah, because it's Miramax, right? Yeah, Disney. Yeah, so Miramax. Oh, you know, maybe they'll do it with like animated animals now. Oh, oh they, they should do the reverse of what Disney's doing with all the live action. Start yeah. like animating all of the uh, the early '90s the indie, indie films. Like a wolf. This could, so be, like could a, be like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh maybe. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this could definitely be like a like a what an Adult Swim cartoon. Yeah, it could. Well, the funny thing, I'm pretty sure Frisky Dingo is uh, Adult Swim. That I remember, they just played out the whole like Harvey Keitel, um, Tim Roth, and uh, Chris Penn like storylines throughout one episode of Frisky Dingo one time, and I was just like, "Wow, they're just going for it! Like they're just doing this right now." And the the guy who was supposed to be Chris Penn definitely just looked and sounded like Chris Penn, but like <laughs> I was like, "Wow, they're really like just taking the lines and going for it." And it did, I didn't really get why they did, it, but I was like, "They, I mean, I guess it works in different media." <laughs> like, yeah, they, they were inspired. Actually, I was really that was another moment that surprised me that they all shot each other. That three way shot, the Mexican standoff. Oh yeah. yeah, I was like, "Oh, they'll put it down." No, no, <laughs> they all got I was go. waiting for it because the, the Michael Madsen touched the vice earlier on in the movie. Yeah, yeah, on the side, and I was waiting for oh, the for vice the to come to play. Like, they didn't get used for anything. I was like, I was, like, I was waiting. I'm like, I'm like, okay, oh, it's gonna get, it's gonna get used for something. Yeah, the only one that walks away is Pink. Oh, that's what I was gonna ask if you think he gets shot before <laughs> the cops come in. No, well, you can hear him arguing with the cops after all the shots are done. You can hear. So, you can do you think the, he gets taken really away or you up the volume? I've done. You it. can hear him. Yeah, but I was just thinking, like, do. I guess so. He doesn't get shot. He but does goes he go to, to jail. jail. Okay, he 100 goes to jail. But Wait, he like, shoots Chris Penn, right? No, no, he fucking hides. No, he was Kaitel gets two shots off. Oh, I, he gets two shots off. I that's, thought that's what they say. I thought that uh, that Buscemi shot him from under there to get away. No, you can see so. him move his gun. I think uh, the, the theory yeah, is he goes like yeah. He gets he two shots like one. He gets two very lucky shots off. Oh. 
It's not as <laughs> not cool as what I thought. <laughs> I thought it was like that. Like Pink was like watching it. And he's like, well, if he's pointing at him and he's pointing at him. No, Pink is he's a, he's I'm a, he's a professional. He's like, we don't have to kill people. Yeah, we don't. You know, he gets the fuck out of the way. He hides under the ramp. He's the why did we? Why did they make such a thing about him loading his gun earlier in the movie? Because he's a professional. He has to be ready. I thought that was just supposed to be like a bit of tension of like, what's he going to do to Harvey while Harvey has his back to him? No, yeah. I like that. I, I, I like that moment because it's just like, yeah, it's like you're you're waiting in this warehouse. You don't know what these guys, what's going on right yeah, now. You got to be like, ready. You got to be ready. That was just being professional. Uh, another thing I liked is he called his shot with Pam Greer by invoking her name while oh, they're in the it. car when he's like. I mean, it's during that weird story about, like, what's yeah, the hot yeah. black cop woman about, Pam like, Greer. called Pam Greer. There's a lot of putting stuff in boots, which I feel like is Kill Bill stuff. Yeah. Apparently, Robert Forrester auditioned for Joe Cabot. Okay. And so, uh-huh. I like, I mean, I guess, am I supposed to know who the guy Tierney? who played? Yeah, Tierney. I don't, I don't know Lawrence from Tierney? anything about this. Well, I know that he's in Seinfeld, right? He plays the lane's dad, doesn't he? Yeah, but he, and he was also like an iconic, I think, B movie actor. Yeah, this is, thing. The, this is the apparently thing he like. was a nightmare to work with. Like, he didn't have yeah, his lines but, memorized, and because at one point he clearly just kept going, even though he messed up a line. And but, he, like, but he, you he, guys he, got me. I don't, can't even talk around you guys. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I loved him. I love him, that, that I style him of lot. actor that just like, like that's just like so old that like just your face is so good to look at that yeah. doesn't even Motherfucker matter. Motherfucker looks like the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, another Marvel reference. <laughs> What's a good? I guess they must have put that line in after they cast him. Probably, yeah, because yeah, he looks pretty much like the thing. Because you wouldn't be able to do that with Robert Forrester if no, yeah. too young. Robert Forrester like, too young for that part. That part was great. I thought it was good casting. I thought honestly, I was really, really. Yeah, I was into it. I was, like again, pace of movie. Like you know, it's like it actually didn't feel it didn't feel long. I thought the movie was like I just like I I like a bit of a like a like a bit of a slow burn. But like I don't know, man. I was just as I said, like I was a little pulled out in those conversations that didn't feel like they drove the story. Yeah, you know, which you know, also I I was still trying to forgive for the time, but I couldn't really forgive for the content. It was a weird feeling I had. But the thing it was like still like. I just was like just a good little caper tale. Yeah, you know it's and it, 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 it's easily his shortest and yet most unfocused movie. That's what because uh, you said it didn't feel long. I remember every time I go to rewatch, I'm thinking, "Oh, this is going to be forever," and then I'm like, "Oh, it's the, like the shortest one." Yeah, and, it, and like that also tells me I don't like it as much because I'm like, it shouldn't feel longer than it is. Yeah, and I haven't seen it, but um, but and every time I rewatch it. I'm like, I should fucking track it down. Uh, the other criticism this movie got was that it's basically a pretty blatant ripoff of uh, a Chinese movie called City on Fire. I oh. bet it is. Isn't that like people always say that he's copying? Like, but uh, it's like plot beat for beat plot wise, apparently. I mean, because isn't that why he had to start being like, oh, I'm doing like homages and stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's basically what he, did, what he does. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, like, outside of Pulp Fiction, which is pretty original. But it's like, it. You look at... What's that? Co-wrote it. Sure. Yeah. That's true. But it's like you look at a lot of... I mean, yeah. Otherwise, he's doing mashups of like this and this yeah. and that and that. Or he's buying the rights to Inglorious Bastards just so he can use the title and steal the the plot, the thread of it. But yeah. Right. Wow. But yeah, I need to track it down because I've always... I've been meaning to watch yeah, the movie I watch now that. for like 30 years or however long <laughs> old it, this movie is. It might. It also must be nice that like, well, I mean, he's he'd written other movies before, but like, it must be nice that in your directorial debut to have like that kind of cast. 
Well, True. again, that cast was not that cast until this movie. Harvey Keitel is the only name. Well, in he the was movie. washed up. I wouldn't know. Time. I don't know if I'd say he's washed up. I feel like people up. still like him. As no, Harvey. Ke- here's Wasn't the, he like unhirable so, for a while or something like that? I don't think so. I think here, here's the story about Harvey Keitel in the movie. So Tarantino had. I was. I mean, I started this before we we watched the movie. Harvey uh, Tarantino has the thirty thousand. He's gonna make it for that. Lawrence Bender is producing, uh, but but um, Keitel's wife or someone he knows is in like an acting class with Lawrence Bender's wife. Gets a hold of the script, brings it home. Keitel reads it and gets in touch with them. They're like, I want to help you guys. I want to play Mr. White, and also I want to help get the movie made. That's why he has a co-producer credit. Right. Wow. So the, all of a sudden they put the brakes on. They're like, oh, we can make this probably for like a million. So Kaitel starts wheeling and dealing, calling up his people. But everyone else are just like New York actors starting on the scene. You know, Buscemi was a nobody. Tim Roth's a nobody at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mads, like none of these people, but it's really just Tierney had some kind of cult following. And Kaitel is like the one name that made right. the investors comfortable with the million. Everyone else is more or less a discovery. Wow. Right? Well, Chris Penn is the star from, <laughs> from Footloose or whatever, right? Oh, Chris Penn had been in Footloose. Yes. Fair yeah. Right. Still a good eye, though. Like, Or I guess maybe he just got whoever he could get. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think Tim Roth had done some stuff. He's, he's British. Tim Roth had done some stuff back in the UK. Apparently, he wouldn't audition for the movie, but then they all <laughs> went out and hung out, and then he got drunk, and then they got him to read for them at the bar. I oh, like that. That's great. Uh, but yeah, but pretty much most of the, like, this is like a career making movie for most of these guys. Buscemi in particular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was actually looking at him. I'm like, man, you never look normal. This guy, it is the most normal I've ever seen him look. Yeah. yeah. Also because <laughs> he's the waiter in Pulp Fiction and I guess cause he has such a big yeah, thing against bu- tipping in this and then they make him a waiter. In the- oh, that's funny. He's Buddy Holly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He is Buddy Holly. That's right. He gets to be wow. I was I I wasn't sure if I was gonna like it as much. You know, it's it's it's. I don't know how I missed it. As I said, I think I said this earlier, but I'm so glad I saw it at this age instead of seeing it younger. Yeah. yeah. The other reference uh, that because there's a whole bunch of you watch all especially Tarantino's earlier movies and you start listening to the different names they talk about as they tell these tangential yeah. stories. You start to go, oh, is this this person from this and this and that? is the Alabama that's referenced is meant to be the Alabama from True Romance. Yeah, that's... With the idea being after that movie ended, because the original ending to that movie was Christian... uh, Slater. Slater's character did not survive. Right. And so the idea is she went off and lived a life of crime and at one point hooked up with Mr. White for a short spell and they were partners. Wow. Yeah, that that is what I've heard. Uh, And... I, I think the other, well, it's not a reference to the movie, but he reused the stomach and the knee are the most painful place to get shot in Kill Bill 2. I think he shoots her in the knee, and he's like, now nah, I've heard tell that other than this, the stomach is the worst place to be yeah, shot. There's that, and also... Shared multiverse, I'm into this. And he directed uh, an episode of ER, Tarantino did. I heard this, yeah. And there was something like with someone... In the, there's an ear cut off referen- reference in the <laughs> ER episode, I think, I believe. That's funny. Wow. Just a little shit like that. Kyle, is that cool or is that... Is, my question, is that cool or is that like self-important? I like it. <laughs> well, I, he, he but I'm a fan of his, it. so the, right. like, I, I'm the wrong person to ask. He can get away with that kind of stuff. Like, I'm kind of into it. 
Then I'm also kind of like... Wait, did he write the ER episode, or they just asked him to direct it? He, and then someone could put that reference in. No, I mean... I'm he, sure he keeps he it. He knows about like, it. There's it's not no like way. he was like, oh, I can't believe that was in there. I'm just saying, like, that might not have been initiated by him. I'm sure it was the kind of thing where Maybe it's the like, writer was like, oh, Quidditch Tarantino's going to direct this one? Here's a rewrite. I'm sure yeah, that, yeah. or, like, someone in the, the makeup prop store was just sort of like, hey... I have this idea. Can we do this thing? He's like, yeah, that's cool. We'll yeah. do that. We'll throw it in the background and be an Easter egg. I can see that. I, and it's an Easter egg. It's not like part of a plot point. Oh, I see. It's, it's not a, like... No. It's a cop who has his ear reattached. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this guy smells like gasoline. No, it's not. Like, yeah, it's not <laughs> integral. No, no, no. no, no. It's like, <laughs> it's, I'm it's, everywhere. <laughs> I, I believe having not... Uh, I'm sure I wouldn't track down that episode and watched it. <laughs> but uh, but I don't. I think it was just an Easter egg. I think he had okay. to like be really paying attention to to catch it. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm glad I rewatched it. But yeah, it, I mean, you've given me more stuff to be like. I still like the movie. I I does sound like I don't like. It. I like the movie. It's just for a director whose like body what? of work I really like. This is closer to the bottom for me. And also, it's like you know. Nicholas and I in particular, I mean, think about how many filmmakers' first films you've seen. Like, right. yeah, this is a pretty amazing first film. Oh. Whether, whether you've ripped off the storyline from someone else sure. or not, it's it's a pretty... You can see why he'd gone on and, you know, he's figuring shit out here. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are the kind of... Also, I'm going to say, these are the kind of movies... Again, I, I, that's why I'm so surprised I didn't see it, especially I was saying before, yeah. like, this was the era of when I was going to Blockbuster and renting like, 10 movies at a time and like, plowing through trying to watch everything, you know? And uh, I'm surprised I didn't see it, but it's also the type of movie that, like, I think made every, like, made you want to get into movies, either either writing or acting or directing or whatever. It's like, those the type, it's like that era of, like, that kind of, like, early 90s, re, like, it's not mumblecore. That's the right word, but you know what I mean. This no, mumblecore was the end of the nineties, right? Yeah, like yeah, the, the Duplass stuff. No, this, but this is like the the heyday of independent cinema, like yeah. the rebirth of independent cinema in the nineties. What I mean, after like you know, Star Wars shifts it over to the block, the beginning of blockbusters in the eighties. Now the nineties is all about like just like that was the when indie films really reigned, and that was right. when indie filmmakers became superstars, right? Because you know, places like blockbuster. Made them rich, you know. It's yeah. like that's why that's what we missed out on. We missed out on this era where it's like you can right. really make a ton of movie money on your movies just by having it in stores. Yeah, you know, like we didn't ever get to see any of that revenue nope. as filmmakers. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> and, and and that's that thing that's also kind of interesting is that like because you know because you didn't dream like I dreamed of making Goodwill Hunting. I dreamed of making uh, Loss of Translation. I dreamed of making. Uh, you know, like, uh, whatever, shallow grave. You know what I mean? You know, I, I didn't dream of making Runaway Bride. Right. Might not do it now. But the thing is, <laughs> I, I, I don't direct movies, but, I, I, but, but still, I, I would, but still, it's like one of those, like, you know, I, I like those movies too, but I, these are the ones where you felt like, oh, I could do that too. Clerks. Yeah. You know? And I think, and, and as I get older and a bit, a bit more mature, I think what I, what I recognize in that with people is more that it's like, it's not a definition. I want to make that movie. It's I think people what, what they aren't realizing what it is that people are like. I want to make something in an authentic voice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I want, want to feel the way. Like, I don't want to. For instance, like uh, every time I write a movie, I think I said this to you once before that I chase. I chase the way I felt when I watched Lost in Translation. You right? 
that's the way I want people to feel when I write a film is the way I felt. Not the same plot, not necessarily the same relationship or whatever, just that idea of like, as you said, an authentic voice, someone had a point of view, they had something to say, Yeah. you know? And that's, and I think that's part of it. You know, as you said, sorry, I, I, I just tried to take credit for your point of view. No, 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 no. But I think, I think that's what I see because I, I think about that. I look at this kind of stuff and I'm like, I would never make a movie like that, but it's like, that's okay because I don't need to because it already exists. Yeah, right. But I think when I look at myself, I think it's like, yeah, I just, you, you, I think what young filmmakers feel and they can't really put words in it is that they're just, they want to be known as an original the way mm. that whoever inspires them is an original. Yes. You know, but it's like, but they, I don't, but then, but what you do get, and this movie particularly did, did that, was you do get a lot of bad copycats because people don't realize that. They're like, no, I just want to be famous. Just copy the scene. I want to be famous for the reason this person, the person I love is famous. And so I'll just do the thing that they do, but not realize that it's like, you can't do that. You can't just do a shitty imitation of someone else's work. It's like, maybe it'll buy, maybe it'll let you get, you, you have a movie made because you'll have someone give you enough money to make it to put into Blockbuster and that kind of stuff. But, and that works for a bit for some people. You know, you can't build a career off of that. No. Well, again, it comes back to point of view. Yeah. The, right? the, like, the filmmakers that, that like have long bodies of work are the ones that have a voice. Yeah. Yeah. I it, like even like, I was going to say, like, sorry to, like, to keep jumping on this, but even someone like, like Ang Lee, right? Who directs in so many different genres. He's all over the place. Right? You know what's weird? I'm listening to a podcast right now. Um, it's called Blank Check. doesn't really matter. They're, Is they, it about the Disney movie Blank Check? Like every they episode? do that as a joke once. Oh. <laughs> they do it as a joke once. But what they do is they take directors. They've done Ang Lee. They're on Michael Mann right now. Oh, I but love like they take them and the idea is what movie like how many times have they got a blank check to do whatever they want and did it work or did it bounce like did it fail that's cool and a guest on um I can't remember I think it was like Taking Woodstock is he was saying I think Ang Lee is good but I don't know how much of like a great director is and to the extent of like what's his like what's his influence like d- does anyone ever say I want to make an Ang Lee movie the way they talk about like mm. Scorsese or or Nolan like he because he can be kind of like a chameleon you're kind of like well I mean other than I can see threads he in doesn't his movies, necessarily have a stamp like that but way. he does have these things about like bottled up emotion like when you look at like yeah. Crouching Tiger and Brokeback Mountain they don't really seem the same until you realize like they kind of hinge on these well, like, loves that, like, like these love stories that can't actually fully blossom yeah. and like that's his through line He's I guess a, Pi, Life of Pi isn't like that but like um, he does have like kind thematic. of a take but it's kind of like yeah you kind of watch you, if you just look at his IMDb you're like wait what? directed Life of Pi, Life yeah. Pi the other day that's so funny that you should just say yeah. that no but it's, it's, it's for him it's a thematic thing right yeah. where it's yeah. like you look at I mean I think a lot of the filmmakers that get a lot of credit for, for quote unquote voice is that they had just they have a, a similar aesthetic that kind of like takes you through a lot of their body of work mm-hmm. so it's like people like Tim Burton and Wes Anderson and um, they've done Tim Burton as well but that's just yeah. it it's like but it and but it's the thing is you also look at those people's movies and you go and it's like yeah but I mean I, I could just study your movies and copy that now yeah. it's like is it really that interesting to just do the same visual tricks oh, every agree. single movie because yeah, I'm like for me I'm like that seems boring as a, f- a filmmaker I create new rules based on the story I'm telling but I would also tell you that if like of the five features I've I've directed now I'm like they're all the same story 
Like, mm. I, if I if you look at the themes, and I'm not going to point it out, I'll, I'll let someone else tweet <laughs> sure. me until they figure uh, it out. When, when, when you get onto blank check. But, no, but yeah. the, first, the first time you yeah, get let me do when, I, when they do the German line episode. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but I, I think that's true, and I think, but I think that's just, that's the makeup of who we are emotionally. That's like, we're always, we're drawn to the same types of things, and yeah. the same types of stories. Like, Spielberg is always telling stories about childhood. Yeah. And about, like... They, they did Spielberg, but just... When he had did DreamWorks, he, did they just do every episode? Because no, that's the thing. They, it was it was like a clear cutoff. Or like I think they end at Lincoln or something like that because it's like well, we're only doing the movies between these years. Like when he had the ultimate blank check of his own studio. Well, like, Lincoln so like, even like he had a hard time getting made. Yeah. Like, well, they talked about that in depth, like yeah, how yeah. it was like Liam Neeson at first and just couldn't get it off the ground, and then yeah. But yeah, they 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 mentioned like all of his movies are about that. Like, it's like about like kids or like, so I think they even went as far as like, kind of like looking into the effect of divorce on a yep. kid. Um, and I think this is maybe just like to link back to what you just said is that the idea of those scenes feeling inserted, like the ones with the, the, the snappy dialogue mm-hmm. is how smart I am. is like, that's the only time where kid T- Tarantino feels like a poser. In oh, this when movie, he's trying you know to what I mean? Off. When he's yeah. trying to show off, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you know where it's like the other stuff. You know what I mean? That, that's the, I think that's the thing that pulls out. It's like it's inauthentic, right? It's like oh, here's a conversation. Here's a funny idea I had one time when I was sh- shooting this shit with my friends that I'm gonna slide into this movie. Yeah. No, and you know what? And I'll give him the one because he gets better at making them uh, focused and right. relevant as he goes along. Right. Uh, I just like in this movie. Yeah. In this movie for sure. Yeah. Because like, I guess if we just, again, he didn't make another movie until Pulp Fiction, right? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, all, that's, only, that's yeah. pretty quick, pretty soon off yeah, after this. And, and, but I'm saying, yeah. and I don't feel like any of the stories feel stupid. No. In, to, in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction's pretty great. Yeah. Still. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, you know, they feel like, you know, even the moment with like, oh, my little pot belly or whatever, you know what I mean? Feels so like you remember that part. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I had that movie memorized. (laughs) You know, you know, no, no. no, Because when I said that, you both looked at me blankly. I'm like, oh, that's the moment you're pulling out Corella. Okay, there you go. No, I love that moment. Okay, yeah, but it's just so like a nice convo that tells me a lot about their relationship, right? Like that's the yeah. Yeah, I think he definitely gets better, especially because he's just coming out of a scene where he's basically saying, "I don't give a shit that I killed this guy. He shouldn't have gotten the fucking ring in the first place." Mm -hmm. And then you get to see, oh, you have this other side to you. And both those sides feel authentic, so it's like you're a complex character. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for choosing this one because, uh, yeah, I thought I, you know, uh, I was actually looking forward to doing one of these with a movie that I feel like everyone else has seen. Yeah. This is great. Well, I'm just glad that I could find someone that I knew that had not seen it. So thanks for thanks for avoiding it for all these for, <laughs> yeah. for 28 years or whatever it's been oh yeah well I mean like I was, 92 I mean, is when it came out yeah all so. right. well, I mean like I was born in 94 so alright well there we go so, <laughs> okay, you didn't avoid it for that long yeah right could you imagine I <laughs> wish oh, I, I believe you, you man I believe oh, thank you you well, sold that <laughs> yeah thanks no, I was, yeah. no. no. <laughs> I'm old <laughs> alright well thanks for coming over guys oh yeah thanks for thanks. having me that's great Thanks for joining us for Reservoir Dogs. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, 
Go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.